Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Whenever we encounter hardship or hard circumstances in our lives, I think we often find out what we really believe about God, what we really believe about the Lord. I don't think the true test of what we believe about God is when things are going well and there's, you know, that's the part of the movie where there's a big musical number and people are singing and dancing and everything is happy. That's not where we find out what we believe about God. We find out in hardship. And Naomi's heart is revealed. She believes that God's hand is against her and she is filled with bitterness. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Quite often we want to demonstrate our faith in God by going to church on Sundays, participating in church events and reading our Bibles. Our relationship with God is pretty good until a challenge enters our lives. We can tend to lose faith in God when the enemy puts us up against a difficulty. Pastor Ricky explains in today's message how we can boost our confidence in God. Even though we experience challenges in this life, we can always maintain our faith in God because He will deliver us in them. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ruth chapter 1 as he begins his message, Questioning the Kindness of God. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. If you're new to the Bible, it's probably in the first quarter of the Bible, right after the book of Judges. And you may be wondering, okay, well, if we're doing an Advent series, a Christmas series, why are we turning to the book of Ruth? Well, here's my question for you as we start. How many people are Hallmark movie fans? How many people, raise your hand, just be proud about it. Don't be ashamed. There's no shame here, guys. Hallmark movie fans, you love them. Okay, they're good. Who here is like an anti-Hallmark movie fan? like the opposite of a Hallmark movie fan. Have you noticed that these two people marry each other? There's two kinds of people in the world. People that love Hallmark, people that hate Hallmark, and then they marry each other. And I know that there's a third category, I will not, but which is those people who say they hate Hallmark, but you know, and I know, at some point this Christmas season, you are gonna cry watching one. It's gonna happen. And maybe late at night when you're weak and you, you, you happen to turn there, Well, the next few weeks, if I could say it this way, we're going to be going through the original Hallmark movie, which is the Book of Ruth. Tell me if this sounds like the setup to a Hallmark movie, okay? It starts with an old woman embittered by the hardships of life, returning to her home, her hometown, after a long time away. With her is a young widow just wondering how to make ends meet this season. But meanwhile... In the big house on the hill is a rich bachelor who owns many fields and just so happens to not have found love thus far. I bet you can see where this is going. By the end of the book, the rich bachelor and the young widow, they are married, the old woman, her heart is warmed and full of joy. The whole hometown is singing and dancing and the book ends with uh, soon after a baby arriving and this old woman holding this grandchild in her arms while snow falls softly around them, right? Maybe not exactly, but that's essentially the book of Ruth. It's one of those kinds of stories And why do we gravitate to these kinds of stories? Well, because I think these stories speak to some of our deepest longings, don't they? They speak to our longings for home, for love, for restoration in many ways. 
Ruth seems like a simple book, but it goes all the way down to our deepest longings. And in a sense, what happens in the book of Ruth is we see the character of God revealed in the drama that plays out in the small town of Bethlehem. And so many years later, we see the kindness of God expressed in this small town of Bethlehem through sending Christ. So if you could say it this way, Ruth is the prequel to the coming of Christ to the tiny town of Bethlehem. So we're going to begin reading today in Ruth 1, verse 1. This is God's word. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of the wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. This is God's word. I want to tell you up front what the book of Ruth is about. It is about this Hebrew word chesed. Chesed is kindness or mercy, or probably the best translation is loving kindness. It's used 250 times in the Old Testament, mostly to refer to God's character. God is revealed as a God of chesed, a God of loving kindness toward his people. And if you lay the book of Ruth out sort of, you know, on a page, the middle of the book of Ruth, kind of the hinge of the book of Ruth, is Naomi confessing and rejoicing in the loving kindness of God. That is where the whole book turns, and that's where we're going. But chapter one seems to start with the absence of kindness, It is bleak, very bleak. It's the days when the judges ruled. So this is the period of Israel's history where God's people had taken possession of the land. They'd gotten out of Egypt. They'd wandered in the desert. They finally take possession of their homeland. And you think, okay, this should be the end of the story. But no, God's people keep turning away and rebelling against God. And God brings judgment. Usually a neighboring nation comes and attacks them and oppresses them. And the people cry out to God. And God, in his kindness, sends a judge to restore them. And this downward spiral occurs throughout the entire book of Judges. This is that same era. People were wondering, what happened to God's kindness? Our land is in ruin. It was an era where it was often hard to see the loving kindness of God through the war and chaos and rebellion around them. But we zoom in very particularly on one family. We learn that there was a famine in the land. Perhaps it was God's judgment. Perhaps it was just in his providence. And so this family finds themselves worried about how they're going to eat. And so they leave the land that God gave them. God had given each tribe an area, you know, kind of a parcel of land, and they leave this parcel of land and go and find themselves going to a neighboring country. Now, surprisingly, they go to Moab, which is unexpected. This is a traditional enemy of God's people in many ways, but at least they have food. And you think, okay, well, maybe they'll be okay, but then the father dies. You think, well, but at least the two sons might find wives there, and then the sons die. And so you're left right here with the absence of kindness, it seems. 
So the main question today is, what do we do when we cannot see the kindness of God? Maybe you're here wondering that today. What do we do when we cannot see the kindness of God? Three parts today we're going to walk through this text. And the first part is questioning the kindness of God. Naomi is the central character in this first chapter, and we're going to see what these events have done to her relationship with God. Verse 6, Then Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons of my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it's exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods return after your sister-in-law. Now, whenever we encounter hardship or hard circumstances in our lives, I think we often find out what we really believe about God, what we really believe about the Lord. I don't think the true test of what we believe about God is when things are going well and there's, you know, that's the part of the movie where there's a big musical number and people are singing and dancing and everything is happy. That's not where we find out what we believe about God. We find out in hardship. And Naomi's heart is revealed. She believes that God's hand is against her, and she is filled with bitterness. That's a play on words because her name, Naomi, is from the the root word sweet, and she's saying God has dealt bitterly with what was supposed to be a sweet person. Maybe you today feel the same thing. Maybe you find yourself in Naomi's words. You feel the hand of the Lord has gone out against you. Things in life are hard. Circumstances are difficult. Relationships are broken. Uh, Jobs have been lost. You're wondering where God is and whether he's kind to you. Now, one of the difficult things about the text is it's ambiguous as to what level of responsibility Naomi and her family bear in this situation. This could be, well, for example, think about the situation. Elimelech and Naomi, they face a famine and they, they decide to leave God's people, God's land. They decide to leave the, the tabernacle. They decide to leave a, a place where they could offer sacrifices. They, they basically remove themselves from the religious system of Israel and the land of Israel that they had worked so hard and sojourned so long to arrive at. They leave it in this moment of need. And you don't know exactly, okay, was this a a foolish decision? Was it a, a wise decision? Was it really that bad? Could they have trusted God would provide for them? And then where they choose to go is interesting, not to another part of Israel to be with kinsmen, but to Moab, to an often enemy of God's people. Was it wise to go there? Was that the only land that was unaffected by the famine? 
And then at some point, the sons there decide to marry Moabite women. Now, this does seem a questionable choice given, given God's commands in the Old Testament. God's commands were, were often warning about marriage to those who had different gods. And, and it, you know, when your heart gets wrapped up in somebody, just this is free for the singles. Once your heart gets wrapped up in somebody, all of a sudden you find yourself doing and saying things you had never planned on doing and saying because your heart's wrapped up in them. And God knows that. And God says, okay, you gotta be careful. And yet they choose to just go ahead. They choose to almost go full Moabite. And then they stay. Here's the thing. They don't return after Elimelech dies to go be with their kinsmen. They choose to stay. They stay all of this happened over a decade. So year after year, at some point in that decade, they decide this is where we live now. The only thing that pushes Naomi out is the death of her sons. Now, this ambiguity makes the book even more applicable for us because sometimes there are hard circumstances in our lives, but they are the result of, of our own sin. It's possible that Naomi and Elimelech sinned. They didn't trust the Lord, didn't have faith. We don't know. And sometimes God brings hard circumstances as a means of correction for us, as a means of, of bringing us out of what we've fallen into. And sometimes we don't see our own responsibility in them. But there are also times circumstances in our lives are shaped by unwise decisions. Maybe there was no sin involved. Maybe Naomi and Elimelech just were not wise. You know, leaving may not have been wise. Staying in Moab may not have been wise. Marrying Moabite women may not have been wise. And similarly, sometimes our own circumstances in life can be shaped by unwise decisions. But circumstances in life can also be shaped by difficult events just outside of our control. Outside of all of that, it's tragic that Elimelech dies. It's tragic that it seems some particular incident, we don't know if it was war or danger or sickness, both brothers die at the same time without ever having children, probably pointing to the fact that it had not been, they hadn't been married long when they were taken. Sometimes similarly, we find our own circumstances inexplicable and hard to understand. And the result is that Naomi turns to go back to her people and her daughters-in-law want to come with her. So we're to understand that there was a closeness between Naomi and her daughters-in-law. Despite Naomi just seeming like a bitter old lady here, there was something about her and her family that was attractive that her daughters-in-law loved. But she, in kind of one of the... This is one of the strangest parts of the Bible. This is not evangelism. It's like anti-evangelism. You got somebody from outside Israel wanting to go to Israel, and Naomi's like, turn back. Why will you go with me, right? It seems strange. We see that Naomi's bitterness is affecting her judgment. So we don't know exactly what caused all these hard circumstances, but it's clear that her bitterness is affecting her judgment and her counsel and her actions in a bad way. Now, they go through this complicated section where she talks about having a child and you could marry the son. That's basically a, a, an Old Testament law that, that if there were you know, several brothers and, and one brother dies without ever having children, uh, that would leave this woman in a, in a difficult, vulnerable place. And so one of the brothers, if he was eligible, would marry the widow and, and almost like keep her protected in the family, as it were, provide for her. But Naomi says, that's impossible. This is insane, and what she's essentially saying is this. If you go back with me, I'm only sure of one thing. It's that God's not gonna provide for us. I can't do it. I don't see how it could happen. Her bitterness comes out. And it's so, her bitterness so, so far extends that she sends 
Ruth, he tries to send Ruth back to her gods, to her false gods rather than the true God. So she didn't think, okay, you know, Ruth coming with me, it's risky, but at least she'll know Yahweh, the true God. Now, Naomi's so bitter, she's thinking, man, Ruth, she might as well go back to her own gods. God's dealt so bitterly with me. Here's what I want you to be honest with, friend. One of the things that somebody between services pointed out is that they're grateful that Naomi is honest and that the Bible preserves her honesty, her difficult questions to God. Where do you need to be honest about your own questions of God? Where do you feel like the hand of the Lord is against me? You know, I was thinking about it. I think for the last three or four years, for me, I've dealt with some variation of chronic pain in my life. Uh, it's been a variety of things, too long to go into, but it's included TMJ, it's included a fissure, of a disc in my back. There have been days that I've just been, you know, laid up with pain, but there's been a lot more days that I'm just in pain, but not in pain enough to just lay down all day. <laughs> so you just gotta keep going. And, and many days that I have woken up and felt more like Naomi than I want to admit. Feel the pain come on as soon as I wake up and think, why is the hand of the Almighty against me? Maybe you've felt the same thing. Thankfully, the text does not leave us there. Second, experiencing the kindness of God. It doesn't just show us Naomi questioning the kindness of God. It also shows her actually experiencing the kindness of God, specifically through her daughter-in-law, verse 16. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw she was determined to go with her, she said no more. What we see is in this moment of Naomi questioning the kindness of God, she actually is experiencing the kindness of God. Even though Naomi is full of bitterness and anger toward God, God does not respond with bitterness and anger toward her. She questions, is God a God of chesed, a God of loving kindness? Even while she questions, God's chesed and loving kindness is with her. We see it in a few places in the text. The first place we see it actually is in God bringing her back to her people. We don't exactly understand everything God is doing, but one of the things we do see is that Naomi's being brought back to God's people and God's place. It appears that she was stuck in Moab. We don't know if it was a decision or, or something, but God had to get her unstuck, in a sense, to join God's people again, to be, to be in the presence of God again. God in his kindness is bringing her back home. Dr. Ian Duguid, commenting on this text, says this, God sometimes takes away the things that have become precious to us because they are supporting us in our life of sin and hardness of heart toward him. Alternatively, he sometimes takes away things that were good in themselves because he wants to use our lives as a powerful testimony of the sufficiency of his grace in the midst of our weakness and loss. But invariably, he has not brought these trials and losses into our lives because he hates us and is seeking to afflict us or to get even with us for our sin. On the contrary, if we are his children, he loves us and through this loss wants us to receive something far more precious than that which we become so desperately attached. He wants to give us more of himself. God brings Naomi back 
to himself. Even while, in a sense, she's pushing God away and saying, I don't want to go, God is saying, no, come back to me. It's God's kindness to her. Second, God's kindness is seen in bringing the knowledge of God to her daughter-in-law. Look, Elimelech and Ruth did not set out to Moab, you know, like, like uh, Craig's trip to the Amazon to preach the gospel, right? It seems like they're almost on an anti-gospel mission there, telling people not to follow them back to Israel. And yet God, through them, through their combination of unwise decisions or whatever else is going on, God uses them to bring Ruth into the family of God. This is amazing. Ruth takes Naomi as her, you know, as her mother-in-law, but more importantly, she takes God, Naomi's God, as her God. And if that capital Lord, when you see that in the Old Testament, when Ruth calls God Lord, that's God's special name revealed to his people, which is Yahweh. It's the name that only God's people use to refer to God. And, and Ruth is taking that name and saying, this Yahweh is my God. Now, we don't know how it happened. Perhaps Ruth sat at the fire as her in-laws told stories of God calling Abraham to himself. Perhaps Ruth held her breath as her in-laws described the Hebrew escape from Egypt and crossing of the Red Sea. Perhaps Ruth marveled at the differences between her traditional household gods and Yahweh their God. Perhaps she was amazed that, that rather than, than saying, okay, do these things, because her household gods would have said, do these things or I'll punish you. Yahweh was utterly different. Yahweh goes to his people, redeems them, and then calls them to live differently for him. In other words, the grace was there before the call to obedience, which is totally different from anything else she'd ever experienced. She sees somehow the kindness of God in Yahweh. And not just, think about what this costs for Ruth. Ruth had to give up her family, her hometown, her traditional gods, her way of life, her dress, everything to do this. Why would she do this? I don't think it's just for Naomi. I think it's because she chooses Naomi's God. See the kindness of God in Naomi's relationship to this young woman being used by God to bring her into the family of God. I was talking to uh, someone from church and they were sharing really openly how earlier on in their marriage, one of them was unfaithful and they were not believers and their lives kind of fell apart but God separately used that circumstance in each of their lives to bring them to Christ. And so now they look back on that hardship and difficulty is actually God's kindness to save them. And in a sense, this, we, we don't know if God maybe used these circumstances to bring Ruth to a knowledge of himself. Third, we see God's kindness in giving Naomi someone committed to her in loving kindness. Ruth speaks these words that are often used at weddings. If you spoke these words to your spouse at your wedding and then were alarmed to see that they were actually from a daughter-in-law to a mother-in-law, and it's like, oh, that's kind of weird. I don't want to say this to my mother-in-law. Hoping God, oh my soul, he is strong and he's strong to save. Thanks 
for being a part of Better News Radio, a ministry of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. Pastor Ricky has been focusing on the birth of Jesus this Christmas season. There was nothing ordinary about Jesus coming into the world. He wasn't even born in a decent room, but in a barn among livestock. And yet, Bethlehem was where the plan of God started, the plan to save mankind from themselves, from sin. As we enjoy all of the festivities and goodies that come with the season, remember that underneath it all, we celebrate a miracle of saving grace. For more information about this ministry or about what you've heard today, feel free to send us an email at radio at betternewsradio.com. If you prefer, you can call us at 915-562-7100. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd be happy to help you. Again, that number is 915-562-7100. You can also learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky all at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen or download for free at betternewsradio.com. Just click on the radio tab. If you don't see what you're looking for on the homepage, just click one of the navigational links to find more details about everything that you need to grow in your faith. Once more, that's betternewsradio.com. We also encourage you to look for us on Facebook. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time for more from Pastor Ricky and Better News Radio.